Thank you, Knut, for your, uh, again, for your support, your friendship, and uh, for your very kind words. And uh, if we can now have uh, our presenter come, and uh, we are going to kick off the day with a presentation by Arctic Securities on setting the stage on uh, shipping markets, uh, commodity markets, and thank you very much for joining our event. The floor is yours. So Hans Gunnar, please come and take over. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, having me. I'm glad to be in uh, Hamburg, and I'm glad to be able to join my colleagues in this city. I flew in uh, yesterday evening, and uh, I could see uh, that the city was darker than uh, I expected. So, uh, and I talked to the taxi driver, and uh, he could tell me that uh, we, there was a lot of um, electricity saving in the city. So uh, lights were lower than, uh, than normal, which was uh, quite amazing to see. Um, I need my, a little help. Uh, I am not a shipping analyst, just for the record. Uh, I'm a macro energy analyst working with, uh, with the Arctic. I've been doing uh, analysis on energy markets in Europe for over 30 years, um, primarily power, uh, but also gas and, uh, and uh, subsequently coal. So the aim for my presentation today is to uh, give some perspective to the, uh, to the energy uh, market, the impacts on the energy markets from the from the, this year's events, and uh, perhaps uh, point to some um, trends that uh, could be um, uh, important to, to bring further. I'll see if I can manage uh, this. Uh, just, uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I need to, to start with the, um, the first slide here, you can see the, the big cake. That's, the, um, that's an illustration of the global primary energy market, uh, counting some 165,000 terawatt hours a year worth of energy. That is what we consume, at, uh, the global community is consuming every year. And as you can see, the, the, the oil, take the largest share still, this is 2021 numbers, from the BP stats. Uh, oil is, big, is the biggest uh, share, uh, coal is the second, and gas is the third. And then you can see the renewable at 7%, uh, still, uh, it is growing the fastest, but it is, it is still quite small. Uh, but what I'm, I'm aiming at here is the, um, you can see the, the orange, uh, orange box where it's, it says the Russian loss. That is, that is um, what we have lost uh, during the course of this year of gas supplies from Russia. And if you take that in a, in a global perspective, it's less than 1%. 
less than 1% of the, of the global energy consumption is lost in the form of uh, cuts in, in gas supplies from, from Russia. So then you would think less than 1%, we, sh we should have expected the market to absorb this disruption. Uh, that is what we have been used to. We have, we have seen disruptions bigger than this in, in, in the past. And still, the global community uh, regions have absorbed these uh, disruptions uh, without kind of uh, experiencing existential threats like we have seen this year. So that is one perspective to, uh, to, to take, uh, take with us. Very, very small disruptions can, uh, can really uh, do a lot of harm. And why is that? Uh, to take the numbers, uh, is, um, what we actually have lost from Russia is 1,100 terawatt hours per year annualized uh, supply of energy, 1,100 terawatt hours. That compares, for instance, to the uh, total German gas consumption at approximately 1,000 terawatt hours per year before the crisis. However, when you drill, uh, yeah, and besides, um, the 1,100 terawatt hours lost from Russia is equal to 2 million barrels of oil per day. So, if the world had an infrastructure to, uh, to, uh, to meet the challenge of a disrupted uh, gas supply, uh, we, would, we would only see two million barrels oil to fix it. But obviously that has not been the case. And maybe the reason for that, when we drill down the numbers, is we can see that um, the loss of, of gas from Russia as a percentage of the EU energy consumption is 6% or almost 7%. And even worse, it is 27% of the EU gas demand. So then we start uh, understanding uh, why uh, this has been so uh, devastating. So the result we know, Europe has, uh, has experienced a price shock. Uh, and one th a very important thing, we haven't seen any lack of energy during the course of this crisis. The energy balances physically, here and now, every day since the crisis began, there has been no such thing as energy shortage. So the whole, the whole crisis has been an, an anticipated uh, threat. It has been an anticipated an anticipation of, uh, of lack of um, security. So this has been a security issue, actually. Uh, the other thing is that the price shock that we, that we saw coming in Europe, we actually exported that shock immediately to the global community, linked uh, or by, by the mechanism of LNG, the LNG, brings the whole uh, uh, world together uh, in, in the energy, uh, in an energy perspective. So the shock in Europe was exported directly to the world, which means that 
the whole world started fixing the problem. Europe was not alone trying to fix the problem of lack of energy or a perceived lack of energy. Asian communities, they started shifting from use of gas to use of other fuels. And in that, in that sense, the LNG price has been extremely important and the LNG market has been extremely important in making a local problem a global solution. Uh, the response that we saw in Europe has been um, very much consumption cuts as I, I started saying that it was a dark city when I uh, came here, there have been cuts in energy consumption widely, uh, not only gas, but in, in electricity, in oil, in everything. Uh, we are saving energy. There, the other response to the... Um, oh, I was just looking at my time. I'm... Uh, yeah. I have a few minutes left. Uh, the other, the, the other thing was uh, the other response from the from the disruption and the um, and the cutting gas was the race for LNG. Uh, LNG had to be the single most rapid solution to meet the the danger of the of the energy uh, loss from Russia. But not so much speak, uh, spoken about, but probably the most important response taken as a result of the energy crisis was the fuel switching. Fuel switching to coal, to diesel, to heavy fuel oils, other heating oils, to LPG. We, have, we haven't so far in the crisis seen any energy shortage. There is plenty of energy out there, but you need, you need to, um, to take, take the opportunity. You need the infrastructure to actually utilize that option. So what is the learning point of all this? This is not a popular thing to say in a, in a world um, uh, fighting to go green. I would, I would like to say it anyway. Oil is the ultimate security backstop of our energy systems, which means it's the ultimate backstop for our economies. Oil is accessible, it is storable, so make sure it is available and usable. Um, I don't say that we, we should uh, uh, glorify or, or uh, lean to oil when it comes to covering our energy needs. But we have to never, we have never, we have to never forget that oil is the, um, the ultimate backstop. So make sure that the infrastructure around oil is functioning unless we can go much uh, in much deeper problems than we have experienced this year. And this year has been existential threat as it is. The other thing I would say that is, which is a learning point, when, when you look at, uh, at, when we look into the future, there is no doubt that green energy, uh, renewable energy, there will be a massive investment 
and a massive build-out uh, of re renewables without, because there is no other options. That's the only options to get energy independence long-term and to get energy security long-term. However, what we have learned probably from this year is that backup systems and, and ultimately oil is a prerequisite to reach the green uh, energy transition. Without it, we, we can derail, and we have already seen that, the, the potential for derailing. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so the, then I uh, go to the next. Uh, what do I don't understand here? Here is a beautiful chart in my mind. I'm a little number nerd. Um, so what we see here is the gas price. That's the turquoise uh, colored uh, line with these extreme peaks. And then and the second line, the dark line is diesel, wholesale diesel. So this is the TTF, uh, the Dutch. German uh, gas price versus diesel price. And what is fascinating with this story is that in this chart you can read what the market have been doing and have been thinking over the past uh, few years. We're starting with the left side where you have um, a very low price uh, situation Gas LNG market is expanding with the US and Australia uh, coming big time from 2015 to 2020, leading to gas ha having to compete itself into the market. And to make space for itself, it went, uh, it went in competition with coal. So that's why I'm calling this the, um, the parity coal era. Abundance of energy low prices, we all got very sleepy about this. We woke up every morning and the, same, and, and the picture was the same, low prices for everything. And then we enter into the crisis, uh, the crisis scene and, and, and look at it, it started long before the, the breakout of war. So, and after that, the oil is the new parity to the gas. Gas is shifting from being competitive to, to coal, meaning low price, shifting over to compete with oil, uh, and that brings us to a high price level. And this is something we should um, think a little uh, about, because it means something. It's a trend shift, and it's, it's, uh, it's here to last, in my mind. This is a higher for longer, pricing environment we are facing in the years to come. And the, the gas market will constantly um, uh, fluctuate around the diesel price. So what, what is actually happening in, um, in the latest part of the crisis is that uh, the whole world has shifted to uh, diesel and other oil products to shift away from gas to save money. And that has, of course, lifted the diesel, the price of diesel. 
So far, that has not lifted the price of crude oil so that the spread has gone up. So on, on the rel in relative terms, uh, diesel has become much uh, more expensive than, for example, gasoline. So if we take a look at how the market sees, sees this, um, we have the, the left side is the same picture as we saw. This is the gas price, his, the historical gas price. And then on the right side, we have the futures market in, in, the, gas, uh, in, uh, in the wholesale gas market and the diesel, the diesel price. So the, the on top, the curve on top is the gas price and the, uh, and this, and the slow curve in, uh, is, the, is the diesel price. So what we see here is that from a market point of view, we have ended the era of coal parity and we have entered the area of oil parity, higher for longer prices. That said, um, there is a massive premium uh, paid to gas compared to diesel in the next couple of years. My experience is that when you have fundamental, uh, when you have fundamental mechanisms, like the switching mechanism is, you will see a faster return to normal. And a normal, in this sense, means uh, diesel parity, which is higher for longer. And look, and look at it. It is very supportive to uh, renewable energy. It is very supportive for upstream harvesting of anything, including gas and oil. Higher for longer means that we are we are in a modus of changing, we are in a modus of build, rebuilding our systems. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's, so, so take an analogy to the shipping industry, uh, to build in security of uh, energy into a ship, well, what do you do? You go multi-fuel, you go dual fuel instead of single fuel. And that is probably what the whole energy market the global energy market is about in, in, the, in the near future. And um, to, to bring a little hope uh, to us, I just wanted, I, I just saw this picture and it, I was struck by it and um, uh, people are extremely innovative. And this is an example of a shift away from gas into oil, not very obvious, but if you think about it, it actually goes from gas-powered light, uh, electric light, to uh, oil-based candlelights. So with that, I, I thank you for, for listening. <laughs>